Hello, everyone, and welcome to Privacy Tech Talk. I'm Fahad, and I am Carlo Chalico. Today we have a very special guest. We have Marcus Lampinen, the CEO and co-founder of Prefina, a company that is challenging the idea that users have to give up their data to use and benefit from different apps. Marcus, thank you so much for being with us here today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. And we would like to start understanding, Marcus, what, what does Prefina do? Let's kind of take a macro view first. Like if we think about data, we, we're all aware that we're generating more and more data every single time, every single day. We have essentially a number of different types of accounts personally, but all the uh, innovation in data so far, it's been mainly on the enterprise side. Like on the enterprise side, we have all sorts of different types of data platform, data lakes, data engineering, you know, everything that you can possibly imagine. But if you start kind of thinking about it from the other point of view that for personal data and for us as individuals, what do we have? And it feels like that's where we're 20 years behind what's developed on the enterprise side. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're creating a personal data engine so that we as individuals, we can take the data that we have in various different services, in various different devices, in various different accounts, and we can bring it into one place, which we own and we control. And then we can take all of those fantastic tools, like for example, cloud services and you know different types of applications and software tools to actually generate value out of this. Data. So that's the starting point. But we see that this is very much a developer and innovation-led ecosystem, because once you introduce this model where individuals can actually utilize this data, then it becomes a question of, okay, if you have all of this data from the individual and this layer, what do you build on top of it? And that's the problem that we're here to solve. Basically, we're building a new way to build applications. That's what our framework allows. So if I am a developer, and I wanted to build, for example, a meditation app. Um, let's say that I want to build a smarter meditation app that actually measures if it's working. Then using our framework, I can create a meditation app that runs on this data layer that Profina has developed. So it's fundamentally a different way of building those applications where that experience in terms of using the meditation app, that might be very familiar, but the technology and the architecture for how that would work in our system, it is um, upside down. And what I mean by that is that instead of the data, your data going to the app developer, it's actually the other way around, that the app is coming to you and your data and you're running it locally. So locally can mean on your phone as an app, or it can also mean in the cloud as an app, but either way, it's you, um, it's you and then the application that you're using and that experience and that processing the data, it stays with you, it's not going anywhere. Okay, great. So the way I understand it is that Profina provides individuals with a cloud environment in which they can store all of their personal information and then developers build their apps uh, on top of Profina so that these apps get de deployed locally on the user's cloud so that the user's data doesn't go anywhere. Do I understand that correctly? That's right. So it's a decentralized app at the heart of it. I got to say, Marcus, that's really amazing because I think that we as a society have resigned to this idea that these big tech companies are going to have hordes of our data and they're going to use it and abuse it. And even though we're not happy with it, 
We've just accepted it because we haven't yet been presented with another better alternative. And so Profina seems to provide a practical alternative by building something that allows people to keep their personal data while still benefiting from the utility and insights that apps provide. And more importantly, it prompts an important psychological and even philosophical shift in our thinking by making us question why we need to give up our personal information to these companies in the first place. And so one thing that I'm curious about is how does it work for applications that developers want to build where they not only want to analyze the data, but they want to improve the results of their application going forward, right? So like machine learning, how would it work for those type of apps? So it's actually, if you simplify it, it's the exact same process, but where you're doing the learning, that's done essentially with the user. So for example, um, Machine learning is often predicated on collecting a huge amount of data, especially deep learning, into one place and then running some algorithm on top of that to optimize. But at the same time, there are techniques, for example, federated learning, where what you can do is you can take this algorithm and you can distribute it. Oftentimes, federated learning is applied to mobile phones, where you're throwing this algorithm into various different handheld devices. It's running some compute, and then it's sharing the result, not the data, but the result. And then based on the result, there's some type of optimization that happens and then it probably runs again and yada, yada, yada. Um, you could do the same thing in our environment where effectively, instead of, um, instead of using mobile phones, then you're using uh, the user's own account. Marcus, just to help our listeners understand the concept, can you please help us defining what federated learning is? So federated learning is a really interesting technique uh, for machine learning that was developed by Google uh, over the years um, in response to how to utilize data that's on mobile phones, but not in the same place. So at the heart of it, and I, I am not a federated learning expert by any means, so take this with a grain of salt, but at the heart of it, um, the notion lies on the concept of federated, which means that the data is not all in one place. So essentially you're doing the optimization, you're doing the compute on the data in many different nodes, so to speak. And then you're pushing out this uh, learning algorithm um, in copies of potentially millions to different devices where it will run. And that's different to a normal machine learning model, uh, whereas in a normal machine learning model, you'll have one database where you'll have everything. And then you'll just have one algorithm that you'll set loose on that. So that's a federated aspect that instead of using one database with one algorithm, you're using, you know, potentially millions of nodes with millions of algorithms. I have to ask, what inspired you to start this company and work on this technology? I mean, what's your background and what led you to work on this idea? So I'm, I'm myself a simple engineer and I, I've worked with a um, couple of startups in the past, which I also founded. Um, and I worked with different types of industries that are very, very data heavy. Like, for example, I worked in my first company with content rights and different types of media ownership rights, uh, streaming services, licensing, and so on and so forth. And in the second company, I worked in financial services. Um, but personally, I'm also somebody that's, you know, I've optimized a lot of my own daily life using data. Like, for example, my diet, um, my exercise, my sleep, and, and so on and so forth. 
And I think we kind of, at the start of, let's say, GDPR and the shift in privacy, uh, where essentially individuals were given legal ownership over their data, uh, but not any way of organizing or actually benefiting from it, then we kind of realize that it's actually not really about, um, I mean, privacy is the starting point, but that's not really, let's say, the, the macro shift. But we kind of look at the current model as being limited, that if you actually wanted to train really sophisticated personal AI, it's not enough to have one, let's say, huge database of um, disparate and, and like narrow data points on individuals. You need like, I don't know, like 100 gigabytes on every single person. Um, and how are you going to organize that? Like who's going to, in their right mind, take the liability of assuming, let's say, North America's population, you know, and 100 gigabytes of genetics data and whatnot on them. But at the same time, if you wanted to have that AI that actually knows you, I mean, it's a very, it just kind of, it just kind of broke at some point that, you know, with the current models, we only get so far. Like we only get to that like segmentation based uh, AI. We only get to like, you know, profile based decisions and so on and so forth. We don't get to you because there's a lot of stuff that, that only we have. And in order to build those most advanced things, then I mean, we just don't see that there's any other way than you actually build them on that, that user data. But then there's also the question that, okay, there's no other way that the users would be actually willing to take that type of service unless they have control. To echo what you said, Marcus, these AI models will definitely provide better insights and predictions if they run on a more complete picture of an individual, right? So if individuals store all of their personal information in one centralized location and even provide new categories of personal information that they weren't previously comfortable providing, like health data, then the AI models will have a more complete data set to use and generate insights and predictions from. But this carries a lot of risk, which is mitigated as long as the user's data stays in the user's hand. So on that note, who's your customer? Who's paying you? What's your business model? Because it seems like you're approaching things differently from the status quo. I think the business model itself, it's no different. I mean, it's a marketplace at the end of the day. Like, you know, we, we provide a free platform for individuals and companies to build on top of. Um, if you want to, for example, build an app that costs something, then we can take a marketplace fee for running it through our platform. Um, if you as an individual, you want to have, let's say some premium functionality, like for example, um, we can do a decentralized VPN so that you can browse the external web based on your data and have it localized to you, but then just ping it through our proxy server so that it's not actually tied to you, but it's, you know, it is using very, very representative data, but it's anonymized in that sense. So we see that at the heart of it, it's a, it's a marketplace. It's a two-sided marketplace where there's builders and then there's users. Um, but then we have premium functionality for both of those. Thank you for, for sharing that. What are the challenges that your company is facing right now? The most important so, ones. So all of what we're trying to do is hard. Um, the technology is hard. Like we run a decentralized architecture. Um, we use a lot of data. The data layer is hard. 
Um, and then essentially a lot of the utilities for how developers build and how companies build on this architecture, all of that's hard, but all of that's manageable. Like all of that is just work at the end of the day. But I think essentially the, the challenge that we have, the critical challenge that we have, and I would say the challenge that we all have is how to get to the tipping point. Because right now we've got, you know, over 27,000 developers. We've got a number of companies that we're working with. And we've got a number of, you know, exciting things that are going on. But really our mindset is that what do we need as an industry? What do we need as a showcase so that essentially the next time that somebody's thinking of, okay, how do I build this app? Then they would have the go-to that, of course, I'm going to build it in this side that the user gets to keep their data. And that's, that's sort of like, a, we call it the organic food moment that, you know, if you go into the store and you have the choice of, you know, organic strawberries versus conventional strawberries, you know, conventional strawberries, they'll have some crap on it. And you know that they're slightly worse for you and odds are you're going to take the organic ones. So it's sort of the same with data that, you know, that sharing it with everybody, you know, it's sort of crappy for you, but like Carlos, you said, you don't have a choice. Like that's where you're kind of, you know, where you are. So the question is, how do we get it to actually become a choice? Because I think that essentially, if you were able to choose as a user, then I mean, there's no reason that you would choose giving up your data because I mean, what's in it for you? And, and to be clear, I don't think that that's a privacy question really. I mean, yes, it's a privacy question, but I think fundamentally that's a question of value and almost like value equality that why would you give up your data at the door just to use something. It doesn't, you know, long-term wise, I hope we get to a point that that just doesn't make sense. And that we, when we look back, we realize that we kind of ended up there, but it's not really something that we chose. But getting to the point that we can actually choose as individuals, that means that we need to have these visionary companies that kind of set the model and set the way. And I think we'll get there, um, but this is also a question that, you know, this is a gargantuan task that it might be, it's probably gonna be iterative for a while, but we get better showcases, better examples and better you know, value for the individual. But at some point there might be, and hopefully will be that type of binary moment where something just clicks and then the old world doesn't uh, make any more sense. And the parallel that I would give you is when AWS came out, and when we started putting you know, stuff in shared compute and shared cloud and things like that, I mean, they couldn't get any customers at the start. Like their customers were like the cobblers, uh, florists and things like these, because everybody was like, you know, AWS who? Like, why would I put my stuff there? Like I'm very happy running my own server or then going with somebody like an IBM. But at some point, I think it was the Department of Defense that enlisted AWS. And at that point, there was kind of like this binary moment that, well, okay, if the DOD is happy with AWS, then most likely it's okay for me, you know, small startup over here. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll kind of need to get that type of visionary. Somebody says that, hey, this data model and respecting my user with their data is the right way to do, right way to do this for X, Y, and Z reasons. And then essentially at that point, then the question will be that, well, wait, wait, as an individual, then, if they're doing it this way, why do I need to do it this way and with all of these other service providers? I think the case for the individual is it makes perfect sense. I could totally see hordes of people saying, yeah, if I have a choice between getting an app 
from let's say the Apple's App Store or Profina. And Profina lets me keep my data on my side and not share it with the uh, app company, then obviously I'll go with Profina. I mean, maybe I'm generalizing, but to me, I'm like, oh, that's clearly the better choice. But I guess I'm struggling to see what's in it for the companies, right? Like, why should they uh, list on Profina if they feel like they can get the data from the customers and get to keep it for themselves? Mm. And that's a good, that's a good question. And that's absolutely the right, um, right way of thinking about it. Uh, you guys said it earlier that, you know, getting access to the data, that's not trivial. Like most of the data out there sucks. So the question is that you can, you can use broken data. Um, like if you're even companies like, you know, Walmart, then I mean, can you actually get your customers shopping history with Amazon? Most likely not. So you're always operating on segment-based data or kind of just a portion of the pie, so to speak. Uh, and then the other aspect is that, you know, um, you may not actually be able to use the data to begin with. So for some of these use cases that we've got now, we're working with wearable data and health and wellness data. And the data is just so sensitive that, you know, just hoarding all of it. Like, for example, let's say that you're, a ride sharing company and you want to improve driver safety and you start measuring your driver's heart rates. I mean, that, that will earn you an invite onto Capitol Hill and they'll start asking you like, you know, why are you collecting data on your driver's heart rates? So then the choice that they have is that, okay, do we just skip all of that altogether? And most of them do that right now, that's fine. Or then it's that, okay, do we essentially figure out a new way of using that data? And that's where they're coming to us because they see that, you know, this data is actually incredibly valuable and they can increase the, the happiness and, you know, the stickiness of their client relationships by actually being able to use it. You know, I, I have a 10 month old at home and I bought a, uh, a baby monitor not too long ago. Uh, and it was one that, you know, even analyzes whether he's like crying and will send an alert and can see if he's breathing, so on and so forth. And then I look at the privacy policy and uh, the privacy policy states that we're recording the video, we're recording the audio, and we're shipping all of this information overseas, analyzing it, storing that data, and then we'll send you the analysis. And my first thought was, okay, but why do you need to uh, store that information? You know, I'm not a deep tech, deep tech guy like you, Marcus. But, and so this to me, when I hear Profina's value prop, you know, it's really offering a much better way uh, for us to be able to benefit from these technologies without having to give up all of this sensitive personal information. And so uh, what do you see the future as? You know, what do you think the industry will look like in 5, 10, 15 years, apart from maybe Profina being the new, app, you know, people will go to Profina instead of going to the app store. Like, you know, where do you see the future? What, what do you see mm -hmm. as the future? And I, I do also want to emphasize that it's very fundamental for us that we're not building a new, um, let's say, data monopoly. So Profina, Profina's services, um, the ones that make sense, they are completely open source. All the developer utilities, the data layer, all that's open source. You can add different types of sources and whatnot. Um, so the idea is very much that this future is more open. And the future is such that anybody can actually build on data and you can build on data, different solutions that benefit entire populations, but that are also very targeted. But in terms of like long-term, 
I see that, you know, I, I want to get to this stage where I have my own, I have my own virtual machine and my own intelligent army of different types of algorithms that look out for me. Like very, very basic things. Like, you know, they tell me when I left my window open, it's gonna rain. They tell me when my risk of a heart attack has gone up and why. Um, all of this, by the way, you can already do today, but it's just um, not really being done on the consumer level. And I really want to kind of have that type of leveling of the playing field that we actually have access to those tools because the enterprise has got them and the tools all exist, but they're not deployed with us. But this is a long-term vision. Marcus Lempinen, Profina's co-founder and CEO. How can people get in touch with you? So you can go to profina.com. Um, there's a Slack channel that's open. You can sign up there. We call our Slack channel uh, Liberty Equality Data. It's also something that we were applying to the open source part of our business so that it's not Profina's. It is essentially something, um, something that the community shares. So there you can find me a Slack. You can shoot me a message. And then as a particularly interesting challenge for anybody that's listening, um, I would be super interested in hearing about what we what you would build if you had all this data. What would you do? What would you want? Because we're at this stage that we actually have this already working. We have it working end to end. We have these data connectors. We have these data hooks and, and whatnot. So this is also getting to the stage that, you know, if somebody's got a really killer idea that they want to build, then shoot me a note and I'd be happy to let you in and let you hack the system and just see how it works. I know what I'd build, man. I'd build that baby monitor app tomorrow because it would be great to get those insights without having to worry that my kid's voice and image is out in some overseas server. Marcus, thank you so much for sharing this time with us. It was a great conversation, very exciting, very passionate. So thank you for that. Thanks for coming and, and joining us in this conversation with Marcus. Please stay tuned for our next podcast. It will be very exciting as well. And also, if you want to have a very specific topic, if you want us to introduce someone specifically, please let us know. You can reach me at Carlos Chalico on LinkedIn or Twitter. And you can reach me at Fahad Diwan on LinkedIn or Twitter. Thank you, everyone. And uh, especially you, Marcus. It was a pleasure speaking with you and all the best to you and Profina. 